record on my computer. Great. Hello and welcome to Unordained, the podcast that deconstructs the deconstruction process. And by that, I mean that we take a closer look at um, what it's like to deconstruct from religious um, ideologies and religious beliefs. It's a lot more to it than just deciding not to go to church anymore or picking uh, which Bible verses you're going to leave out of the Bible. There's a lot more to it, and we're here to talk about it. My guest today, she's actually my first guest, and uh, I am so excited. I met this young lady when we were both guesting on another podcast, and I knew two things immediately. A, I liked her, and B, I needed her to be on my podcast. And so I just joined me in welcoming Jade the Atheist. Hi, Jade. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm really good. Are you? Thank you. What's the yeah. weather like where you are today? Um, really nice. It's actually the first 80 degree uh, day we've had. Oh, it's okay. been in the hundreds recently. So it's actually a really nice day today. <laughs> in the hundreds. That's like, I'm Canadian. That means you've boiled. You've boiled to death. <laughs> I don't know how 80 degrees you you must be dead no I'm, I'm kidding it's really <laughs> it's nice here too um certainly probably nowhere close to 100 degrees but I think it's like 24 um celsius so <laughs> just so yeah. you know we're not freezing to death up here <laughs> uh so anyway Jade um I was so interested to talk to you because obviously when I started um, hearing some of your story, I related to it very, very much. Um, but uh, the reason that I was probably more drawn to it is that while we come from similar backgrounds, our age difference is really what makes this a little bit more unique because you're actually the age of, I'm old enough to be your mama, Jake. <laughs> But you yeah. were raised pretty much the way that um, I raised my children and uh, who are all adults now. And so I'm just fascinated to hear what your life was like and what your take on all of it was. Can you give us a little bit of background of what kind of, uh, you know, what your religion was, what you, you know, what you believed, how old were you, how you got into religion, um, yeah. that kind of thing. Give us a little background. Absolutely. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in religion. I, um, about seven years old, my mom went to rehab and uh, gave her life to Christ because she um, gave him the credit for getting her clean. Mm -hmm. So from then on, it kind of became her passion. Um, and so we were in church all of the time, literally every chance that we could be any extra event even uh we were there um and my dad many, came how many people in your family how many people in your family oh yeah uh there's four of us so okay. it was me and my dad and then I have a sister and myself um my sister is younger than me and we're really close now um <laughs> but we weren't maybe so much when we were kids but I think that that's normal <laughs> yeah um <laughs> But, I think uh, you are pretty much exactly the age that I, that my kids were, or you were the same age my kids were um, when I became a Christian. I remember I had them uh, dedicated when I think the oldest was about seven. Did you, uh, did your church do that kind of thing, dedication? Um, yep. And then I also got baptized at a fairly early age. Um, I think I was nine or 10 when I got baptized. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at the time, I remember fully thinking, you know, this is the best thing in the world. I'm I'm really doing something special here. Um, this is what God wants for my life. And so it was insanely real for me, even yeah. at a very young age, even at that age. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of threw myself into it. And I think that a big part of it was, <clears throat> you know, my parents were drug addicts and alcoholics while I was a kid. Um, I had to help take care of my sister. Um, there was a lot of responsibilities in my life at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And so 
leaning on this God person that I thought could make my life better seemed like such a great thing. If I did all of these things that he wanted, I could finally have a good life. Yeah. I guess you, you, you must've felt like you had a built-in helper, you know? uh, Yeah. Yep. And it gave me a lot of comfort um, to have someone to pray to that I thought was listening to me all the time. Um, that I thought was always there watching out for me. Right. Uh, when I was when I was young, that was really special for me. And what um, kind of things, what kind of things when you were young do you remember praying for? Um like there were were there any time, like did you wrestle even as a as a child about prayer and whether or not your prayers get answered? I did. Um, but I I prayed a lot for my parents and they, um, you know, they got to the point where they started trying to, uh, be okay with each other and fall in love with each other again. And so things got better for a while. And so I thought God was answering my prayers and I thought that I was doing these good things basically. I mean, super conceited, but that's what I thought. I thought my prayers were fixing everything around me. Um, well, that's what we're, that's what you were taught to believe too, right? That it yeah. was that, uh, yeah, the responsibility is on you to pray. And, and then we're taught to, when we see things change, we see it as an answer to our prayer, right? Yep. Yeah. Puts yep, a lot absolutely. of responsibility. I mean, it's a, it's a great thing when it works out, but um, you know, when the circumstances work out the way you wanted it to, when you prayed, but when it doesn't, it can be extremely painful and confusing, especially for a child, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, at, at first, I was praying for a lot of things that were easy to answer. And, you know, they were, they were generally things that would have happened anyways. Um, and so I often thought that my prayers were answered. And then as I started getting older, my prayers got harder to answer. They were, I started asking for things that would need some divine intervention to achieve. Um, And it didn't happen. And then I did, I started questioning so hard, like, here I am doing everything you asked me to do. I'm in church, every opportunity I have. I was doing every volunteer opportunity, um, missions trips that I could do. Every aspect of my life was dedicated to God. And I stopped getting the results that I thought I should be getting. Um, Of course, you don't look at prayer, you look at yourself. Yep. Yep. So it was my problem. No, no, no. And it created an internal struggle for me um, Mm. that I thought nobody else could relate to. You know, everyone around me was talking about these amazing experiences that they were having with God and how God was answering their prayers and that they had this personal walk and talk with him. And I wasn't experiencing that anymore. I wasn't getting answers to my prayers. Um, So I thought I was doing something wrong. And in fact, was told by people in my church and my mom that um, it was my walk that was causing these things. Yeah. Um, so that was really hard to hear, especially when, you know, I felt like in my heart, it was very real for me and I was walking correctly. I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing to hear all these people say, oh, well, clearly you're not because it's not working. That was really hard for me. Yeah. And I was like 16 years old at that time. So it really caused some insecurities in myself and I, I did hate myself for a little bit because of it. Yeah. I I remember, I remember many times, especially in my early walk with God that I would um, sit in the car after church and just cry and say, and ask God, like, just show me what, you know, where am I going wrong? I feel like I'm doing it all right. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm sincere. My, my heart was in the right place. Um, and yet these things were, would happen or, um, you know, I wouldn't feel a certain way I thought I would, or I did feel a certain way I didn't think I would, or prayers would get not answered. And, you know, it, it can be really such a, it led me to a life of 
introspection for many years. Like it's, it's, um, it really affects your self-esteem. Would you say that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, I criticize myself so much more than I think you should, or that people do generally. Um, because I've always done that. I've always thought that everything around me was happening because of what I was doing. Yeah. Well, children think that children think that anyway, and now, and now you're responsible for God's actions in your life. So <laughs> that's friggin' yeah. brutal. Yeah. 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 And did you think that, um, like, did you, were you able to talk to your parents about how you were feeling about it or would they, how would they feel about any doubts that you'd have? So when I, um, when we were about 10, probably, um, my dad actually became an atheist. Um, and so that was a really scary time for everyone in my family because we, you know, my mom told us that atheists were devil worshipers and my dad was going to hell now and we needed to model uh, good Christian behavior to bring him back to Christ. Yeah. Um, so then it became this race to save his soul again, basically, um, which kind of hindered my relationship with my dad more so on my side than his, he was yeah. extremely patient. And even though I would very arrogantly, um, tell him, you know, you're going to hell or we need to talk about this. Um, he would be very patient with me and just be like, let's just not talk about it. Or, um, he would sometimes entertain my ideas, but he would just, he was so patient with me and I was so rude to him. Mm. Um, and so it kind of hindered my opinion of him, unfortunately. Yeah. We, we can't, so he would my opinion that we can't really like the, the need that Christianity, um, instills in us to save other people makes uh, other people almost like projects and, and it creates yeah. like a, an us or them. And I don't know if we can really have authentic, genuine relationships with someone when we think that we have something special, supernatural, divine, whatever, and that they need it. And if they don't, they're, you know, they're, they're so much infinitely worse off than you are. It's so much pressure. The the fear is real, isn't it? The fear of, uh, oh, yes. of hell and, and, and being separated from your loved ones for eternity. Yeah. For children too. I mean, I was 28 when, when I got into it, um, my husband was born into it. Um, and he was terrified of, of hell when he was little. Me too. I, that was the most, and actually I was terrified of both because I couldn't understand the concept of leaving your body and the soul that whole thing just terrified me altogether. So I was scared to go to heaven or hell. Um, but I was definitely terrified to go to hell. And that, that made me want to um, save my dad even more. So if I had gone to my dad with any doubts, he would have very much opened um, many doors for me. So I never wanted to tell him that I was questioning because that was him winning. Yeah. And you'd be a bad witness for Jesus if you go and actually say that you're actually having some. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't feel like I could talk to him about it. And then I also didn't talk to my mom anymore about it because anytime that I had tried to talk to her, it was always my fault and my walk with God wasn't correct. And then it usually followed with, you know, days of going to church, days of Bible studies, days of prayers to try and get me back in the right place. Um, And so I didn't want to do that. So I wouldn't talk to her very often either. Um, My sister and I, we kind of had each other to talk to. Um, At this time, we were both angry with God, we said. Um, we couldn't understand why, you know, when we were doing all of these things that he asked us that we had such a shitty life and things weren't going the way that we thought they were going to go. Um, so we talked to each other about it a lot, but other than that, yeah. and, and we never 
you know, we were both encouraging each other in the same way our family was, you know, we need to read the Bible more. We need to pray more. We need to talk to God more. It was never actually trying to just understand each other and where we were coming from. Yeah. It is so interesting that a lot of people think that, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say, but, but there's a, there's a misconception sometimes that Christians are just kind of going around, um, you know, we go to church and, uh, you know, we celebrate Christmas and Easter and that kind of stuff. But um, I, I don't know if people actually get that it becomes, it can become your entire life and identity wrapped up to the point where it, it's, it is the foundation of everything you do. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Every, every decision that I made was made based off the Bible, even down to what I wore. Yes. Um, Because we were, we also grew up in purity culture. My mom very heavily fell into that. So, you know, what we wore could tempt someone. Um, Yeah. You don't want to be tempting somebody with some cleavage. So yeah. No, no. My, my clavicle or my shoulder is very sexual. You cannot let that just hang out like that. No, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. So did you go to regular high school? Uh, No. Um, So I, I went to public school until ninth grade. And then I was taken out of homeschool or I'm, I was taken out of school and homeschooled. Um, my, my mom was taking us out of science classes and sex ed classes anyways. Um, and she wanted to make sure that we were getting a good Christian education. So uh, she took me out of school first. And then when my sister got to high school, she also was taken out and was homeschooled. Um, our homeschool curriculum included Bible stories and, you know, our science was how many, uh, animals did Noah bring on the flood or on the ark. Yeah. Oh, I I want to do a whole, I want to do a whole episode on homeschooling. I, I find it very, uh, alarming and interesting. Um, I, I know it's, it's not regulated. It's, it's not really regulated here in Canada anyway. Um, I know people who I homeschooled myself, my, my, my kids um, kind of in a supervised homeschooling situation in a church. Is that, is that yours or were you actually at home? I was actually at home, but it, we, we did everything through church basically. Yeah. Like all of my extracurricular activities were Bible studies or missions trips or like we, yeah. <laughs> it was all the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we had several ladies who volunteered, right? And so we all taught at this um, private school at the church, which was really supervised homeschooling. At one point, I think we had about 18 or 20 kids. And um, we started off every day. We, I was a chaplain and we, we started off every day with uh, prayers and devotions. And we had weekly chapel service and all that kind of stuff. You know, you got to get the now, these kids may have graduated not knowing how to balance a checkbook or what a mortgage is or anything like that, right? But they knew about, um, you know, Jonah and the whale. <laughs> well, yeah, the important things. The important things. The stuff yeah. that's going to serve them well when they get out in the, in the real world. Exactly. I mean, that was basically my education, too. So yeah. then I also um, got to move out early at 17 years old uh, because someone in our church had an apartment above their house. And so um, because they could keep an eye on me, my mom thought it was an okay idea and let me move out at 17. Okay. I was not prepared to be out on my own. No. Um, (laughs) I was not prepared to be even in the world really as a 17 year old. Yeah. Um, So the people that I worked with, a lot of times took advantage of the fact that I was so naive um, and they had a lot of fun with it sometimes. Really? Oh yeah. Um, I, I found myself in quite a few bad situations because I naively didn't understand what was going on. Um, mm. And so that kind of started happening when I moved out on my own. I started partying with some of the people that I worked with 
Um, I didn't go home one night. And of course, my mom found out. Um, she ended up tracking me down to the place where I was uh, and told me I had to go home with her. And I, at this point, you know, was finally starting to experience some freedom and the ability to do what I wanted. And though it was not very good, I didn't want to give that up. Um, so I told her I wasn't going to go home with her. We ended up getting into a physical altercation. Um, yeah, she, uh, she smacked me and I called the police. Um, they told me that I had to go home with her uh, because I was still underage. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, so then the next day I went to work and I didn't go home. Um, I left my vehicle with, or my mom had my vehicle. She had dropped me off at work that day and, uh, someone came and picked me up and I ran away for a year and a half. Really? Where, and where did you go? Oh, you, you probably don't want to say, do you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, um, what was that? Went, what was that like? Did you, did your mom know where you were? No, um, nobody in my family had any idea where I was. Um, I bounced around to quite a few different places. Uh, different people that I worked with would take me for periods of time, um, which again, put me in some situations that I shouldn't have been in. Yeah. Um, I, there were a few times where I sleep, I slept in a car that I had gotten after a while of, of working. Um, and then I met my daughter's dad. Um, and he ended up uh, taking me into his house. Um, and I ended up getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So around that time, or yeah, that t- uh, because I got pregnant, I reached back out to my family. Okay. Now, what about your dad in that time? Were, was he was he still an atheist? Was he still around? Were you were you talking to him? Um, he was still an atheist. Unfortunately, I uh, kind of punished him during this time too. Um, him and my dad were still married when I ran away, and during the time that I ran away, they got divorced. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, and I didn't know this, um, and my dad did not agree with how my mom handled the situation. He obviously didn't agree that she put her hands on me. Um, and so he tried to find me for quite a while. He had gone to the place where I did work, um, and asked everybody there if they knew where I was. Um, and so he actually was the first person that I got back in touch with, Mm -hmm. but, Unfortunately, that was about a year after I had ran away. So there was quite a, quite a bit of fixing that we had to do. Yeah. And so what about your God belief when you were, when you were in that stage of your life, when you were running away? So I still very much believed in God. I was just extremely mad at him. At this point, nothing had gone the way that my life was supposed to. You know, all these people had built up this life that I was going to have, and it wasn't turning out that way. Yeah. Um, so if people talked about God, I adamantly defended him, and I still knew all of the lines to do it, and I still prayed to God a lot. It was just angry prayers. Yeah. You know, I, I swore at God in my yeah. prayers, like, yeah. all the time. Um but we still, I still had a relationship with right. him. Right. Just um, a complicated one. Yeah. Very complicated. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Can we go back a little bit and tell me, so you can tell me um, a little of what kinds of things you believe, like what kind what church did you, did you go to? What denomination? Yeah. Um, so when I was a kid, we went to a Baptist church. And so that's kind of the main beliefs that my family holds. Um, And then we, my mom and I and my sister moved to a non-denominational church, um, which basically was just a doomsday prepper church, really, um, end of the world type stuff. Uh, So, you know, we believed that um, in the, in the, in the church I was the longest in, which was the non-denominational church, 
Right. Um, we believed once saved, always saved. Uh, we believe that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead. Um, there is a f- real physical hell um, and things like that. Um, the the Baptist. You believe in miracles? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Believe in miracles. Um, and the Jesus Baptist side. Yep. Jesus is mm-hmm. coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, homosexuality, like very literal Bible beliefs too. Oh, okay. um, homosexuality is a sin. Oh, the okay. book of Genesis is literal. Um, that's how the earth was created. Yeah. Uh, yeah very fundamental beliefs. Oh, okay. Basically, if it's in the Bible, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that sounds a lot very similar to what we believed. We, um, I also believe for a long time that homosexuality was wrong, and uh, yeah, it's it's really something. Hey, that's actually one of the first things that um, helped me come out of religion. Is it was kind of the catalyst to my uh, deconstructing. You know the, the. starting the process anyway it took several years after that but when homosexuality hit home for me um all of a sudden it really mattered to me if the bible was right about it or not and um yeah and i i kind of came to the conclusion that it was really immoral to hate a whole you know group of people just because of the way that they're born um you know and their their sexual orientation and yeah, so that was one of the first things like, uh, am I supposed to hate these people now? Am I supposed to, you know, love this, love the sin or hate the sin? I never could figure that out. Um, you know, even, even in other things other than homosexuality, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't figure that out because you, if you tell, if someone tells a homosexuality, I, I love you, a homosexual, I mean, I love you, but you know, not your what? they would they would say lifestyle but really it's your identity your you know your who you are yeah right so yeah I used to separate it from who you are yeah Yeah. I used to use that saying all the time you know love the sinner hate the sin yeah and I didn't realize how offensive that term was it is exactly (laughs) yeah but it really is um yeah and I sounds really loving all the stuff the loving stuff that we said that was really hurtful Yes, yeah. there's so many of those. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And so, so you, when you, it's, I find it also interesting that when you went to reach out to someone, it was your dad and not your mom, even though you still had a relationship with God. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess from the circumstances then. My dad has been always some been. phone call, Jade. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it was a text message, actually. I think I texted him oh, and said that, that I wanted to see him oh, and God. asked him to pick him uh, uh, to pick me up at a certain address or whatever. And it was a random address that I wasn't staying at or anything. Um, and he texted me back, okay. And uh, that first visit was pretty hard. Um, oh, wow. <clears throat> We, we went and had coffee, which was probably not a good idea to be in public because we were crying, and, yeah. um, but it was good. And, you know, my dad is the most patient, loving father in the world, um, and he totally understood. And so he didn't, you know, hate me for not talking to him for a year and he didn't hold it against me. Oh, he must have been so freaking relieved. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. I oh, I'm sure. Imagine. Yeah, that must have been really something. Now, w- during that time, you were still close with your sister? Um, so we, I actually started talking to her at the same time I started talking to my dad. Um, she had gotten really close to my mom during that time. Mm-hmm. Her and my mom had moved in together when my mom and dad got divorced. Awesome. So I was really hesitant to reach out to her. Um which ended up being a little justified because they had gotten so close. My sister had kind of found her way back to Christ and um, was kind of walking in that lifestyle again. So I felt very much the odd one out, especially since I was pregnant and I wasn't married. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. they had no idea who, you know, the dad was or what was going on. Um, there was definitely some anger about that. And they, my mom and my grandma um, highly encouraged me to give the child up for adoption. Wow. Um, and that's actually where my mom and my sister started clashing was because um, my sister did not want that to happen. And so they kind of started arguing about what was best for my baby and stuff. Um, obviously, I chose to keep her. So <laughs> thank God. Um, thank God. <laughs> yeah. It's just a saying. Don't worry oh. about it. I say it all the time. Don't worry about it. Thank God. In my head, I'm spelling it G-A-W-D. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can't get you can't get those phrases out of your out of your mind, I don't think. No. Yeah. And so how old is your daughter now? She's 10. And right. And are you still with um the uh with with her father? Um, no. So he actually ended up being an extremely abusive person. Oh. Um, and so when Bella was about six months old, um, he ended up leaving uh, for a friend of mine. And um, I tried to keep him a part of her life for like a year and a half. I would message him regularly asking if I could drop her off and stuff like that. Um, and then one day she came home with a bruise on her. And so that was the end of that. I called the police and yeah, he wow. hasn't seen her since. So we're actually, um, in the process this next month, he's signing over his rights to my husband. So oh. my husband is going to adopt her. Oh, Jay, that's so good. That is so yes. neat. That's really nice to hear. Stop making me yep. cry now. <laughs> that's so nice. Um, I'm very excited. And my man. daughter that's is good man. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I said, that's a good man. He, he is. Um, he has been in my daughter's life since she was about two. I met him um, very shortly after uh, her dad and I were not together anymore. Um, we didn't date right away. Uh, we were just really good friends. We worked with each other. Um, I think we were friends for probably three years before we finally decided you know what, we should try this. Um, and now it's seven years later and we're married and yeah. Um, oh, that's we, nice. It's good to be married yeah. to your best friend. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah. Or at least one of your friends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and he has been amazingly supportive of all of my changes. Wow. So we're jumping ahead a little bit, I guess, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, he's amazing. Had, you, what you've shared already is so, is so interesting. You've had, um, you've had quite a life. And then when you think about the fact that you, you know, that most of your issues or hurts have come from the fact that, um, you know, you were trusting in something that turned out to be, you know, not real. Not um, real. Yeah. And, and so, you know, something that's supposed to make your life go easier ended up, you know, causing turmoil in your life. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's exactly what I based on reality, right? If, if you're not, if your foundation is not real, um, and especially if it's not authentic, I'm really big on being our authentic selves, you know? Um, yeah. And religion doesn't really allow you to do that because you have to keep going back to, at least in our religion, you go back to the Bible to see, what do I think about this? What do I feel about this? What is, what's the right stand on this? Yep. And so when you, I, I noticed that you, you have a, a chat coming up on your um, YouTube channel. And I think I forgot, I was going to mention that right at the, at the beginning, your YouTube channel, Jaded Atheist. Um, I'm subscribed and I, I highly recommend um, anybody listening to go at least check it out. Um, and you got a chat with your dad coming up. Yep. Yep. Tomorrow we're going to talk about all of this um, and kind of his experiences on his side. That's exciting. Are you, you excited? I bet you're nervous. I'm so <laughs> nervous. Um, so he's supporting you know, to do this? Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, he, uh, 
I'm excited to hear his side. I'm, I'm nervous because I know that I hurt him and I know that it was difficult um, to listen to the way that I treated him sometimes, I'm sure, especially as a parent now. Like, I think if my kids had talked to me the way that I talked to him sometimes, it would be really hard for me. Um, so I'm a little nervous, but we have talked a, a lot since then. And, you know, now we have such a good relationship. So I know I don't have to be nervous, but it's just, I'm embarrassed of who I was at that time. Oh, I hear you. I hear that. I was telling somebody just on an interview a while ago, the things that I used to believe, and I'm pretty sure I blushed pretty sure my face went red just talking about some of the stuff I was Pentecostal you know that so um yeah yeah but uh, anyway tell me what okay so tell me about your basically leaving Jesus tell, tell me how that yeah. tell me how that worked out for you yeah so um after my husband and I met um I was still a Christian um and he didn't really know what he believed. At that time, he thought something was out there. He just wasn't sure what. And he didn't really think it was the God that I believed in. Um, he was pretty sure the Bible was full of shit. Um, but he let me believe whatever I wanted. And, you know, he was kind of like my dad. And he didn't really care as long as I didn't talk to him too much about it. We would have conversations sometimes and he would find it interesting, um, but was never convinced by anything that I had to say. So um, he used to tell me all the time that he had this theory that you became the religion that your parents were. And I would just adamantly fight him on that. Of course. Like, no, I have experienced oh, yeah, this. Was, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Which, of course, he didn't believe and whatever. Um, but that it really started to bother me that he was saying that. And I just couldn't think of a good enough answer for, for this, especially since I just happened to have a mom who chose the right religion, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, so that was something that was always kind of in the back of my head. And then, um, then we had an election year <laughs> and our most recent election year had the you know, Mr. <laughs> Trump. And um, my family thinks that he is God's gift to man. Um, and so my mom and I were talking pretty regularly at this point. We were trying to mend our relationship that had been so damaged. Um, she wanted to be a part of my daughter's life. She wanted to be a part of my life. So for a while, she was willing to do whatever that took. And so we were talking every day just about, you know, questions I was having really about my faith and politics and stuff like that. Um, being a mom, because that's hard and I don't know what I'm doing, um, you know, and she would start to justify things that um, Trump was saying or um, policies that he was putting into place. And they all had to do with the Bible. And I was like, okay, but are any of these things good outside of the Bible? Like, are they good for actual people living today? Mm. And she said, well, it doesn't really matter if they're good for people living today. The Bible is good for everyone overall. Um, and that, that kind of just bothered me that what's good for people now wouldn't be what's good. Right. That just didn't make sense. Um, and then the talk about homosexuality came up and I had the same thing. Like, how can we hate a whole group of people if God created them this way? That doesn't even make sense. Um, and so I started asking all of these questions about why are we doing this? Why would we believe this? Why should we believe this? Mm. Um, and my mom started getting a little nervous. And so she was talking to me more and more and trying to send me more and more information to basically tell me that I just have to have faith. Right. Um, and I wasn't accepting those answers. And so one night my dad and I were talking about, um, my questions. I finally was like, you know, I have these questions. I'm talking to mom. She doesn't really have any good answers. Um, and we got to 
evolution. And I said, well, of course, evolution's not real, dad. There's not half animals walking around. And he was like, oh, but that's not how evolution works. I think that you were misinformed on what evolution is. Um, and I think that you should look into it that in homeschooling. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Cause I did not get to learn that. Uh, that's what I learned is the half animals, the Kurt Cameron and, uh, Ken Ham version of evolution. Oh yeah. 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 I like like his video with the banana that it's it's proof of God banana. Yes. Those are the types of things. You want to know God exists? Here's a fucking banana. (laughs) It fits perfectly. How could there not be a god this banana fits in my hand <laughs> perfectly yes um yeah those were the types of things that i learned for education um so i started looking into it and i realized that my understanding on evolution was wrong um and then i started questioning my understanding on everything i started looking up every um everything my family had ever believed and found out that most of them were conspiracies that had been debunked already. If I had just looked online. Yeah. It's shocking how easily all of these things can be debunked. Shockingly. Yes. A few keystrokes. Yes. Yeah. Um, And your whole, up to then your whole life is like really like knitted together, like a like a little rubber ball, really neat and tidy with all of that, all of that information. And then one little Google search be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's why yeah, I it was the cards. It, can it was like opening the floodgates. Yeah. Um, and how did it, so how did it affect you then? What were your thoughts and how, how were you feeling when you were going through that? It must've been confusing to say the least, or was it, or was it just liberating to you? So it was a little of both. Um, My initial reaction was anger. I think that that's pretty common. Um, I felt like I had been duped for, you know, 28 years of my life. Um, I, and then it, it was liberating. It was this, holy shit, I can do whatever I want. I can make whatever mistakes, mistakes, that yeah. I want because sin isn't real and I don't have to worry about these yeah. things. Yeah. Um, it took so much guilt off of my shoulders for, yeah. you know, being uh, unwary, unmarried mom for having sex before I got married. I, I didn't feel guilty about these things anymore. Um, I didn't feel guilty about wanting to dress sexy and yeah. that, you know, that was okay. I can, I can do that. Yeah. Um, and now now it's a little overwhelming again. It's, you know, it's a lot to change every single thing about you. Yeah. It's fun and it's fun to experiment and it's fun to try to learn about yourself. Yeah. But then when you really think about it, you're just like, wow, I don't recognize anything about myself anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the point I'm at. Yeah. What would you say, how would you say your upbringing affected you now as an adult what are the biggest things that you've struggled with and are there any are there any uh, uh, good things that you that you can look to for for like from the way that you were raised yeah I definitely still you know there were lots of good moments still while I was growing up um and I think that the kind of traditional upbringing that I had has allowed me to, um, you know, be a good home taker and mom. And, you know, I I did have a very home-based lifestyle. So I know how to do these things. And I I think that that helped. Um, My husband is now learning how to help me with those roles. So it's not just me, um, which he has no problem with. He agrees that he should have to pitch in half of the work. So, um, it'll be a much, but I think that it helps <laughs> be a much happier <laughs> life if he does starts doing that now. <laughs> exactly. I'm speaking as somebody who's been married for over 30 years. <laughs> yeah, that was, we used to, we used to, that used to be one of our biggest, uh, arguments was, you know, the housework and stuff. And, and, uh, especially when the kids were little, but 
he sees it now as it's not he's not helping me it's his house it's his dishes it's his laundry <laughs> we just yep. do it <laughs> yeah. yes yeah. yeah that's that's what we're we're getting to too and you know I I have a voice I can say yeah. what I want and um that's new that oh yeah we were talking about good things um the bad things from my childhood uh I don't know how to deal with my emotions. Um, I pretty much was told that emotions were bad and from Satan. And uh, besides, uh, you know, the good ones, I guess. (laughs) The good ones are from God. The bad ones are from Satan. Yeah. Um, Tell me more. Tell me more about that. That is because that's a very big deal. Um, If you if you feel that your emotions, you have to keep your emotions in check all the time, you know, especially when you're growing up and they're labeled, they're labeled as good or bad or good, good and evil. They're God's thoughts or the devil's thoughts or, you know, even um, in my circles, we used to call it ourselves, right? Like our our self, we had, we had to kill ourselves. It it can't be us living anymore. It has to be, it has to be Jesus living in us. And that really, um, you know, emotionally, I mean, as somebody who suffered from depression for years, um, I, I can see how your emotions are really judged when you're a Christian. You judge them yourself because you're, you know, you're taught that you know, if you're sad, you're you're not having faith. You know, you should have the joy of the Lord, right? If you're sick, yep. you should be well. You know, yeah. Imagine being guilty over just how you feel, your emotions. Yeah, yeah and. And so that's what, what it was. Like as, what was it like as a kid and a, as a teenager, knowing like knowing that you had just have emotions that you you have already labeled yourself as wrong? Um, it was hard. Uh, I was depressed as a kid, um, and my mom told me that that was not real, um, that that was from Satan, and that I needed to read and pray and. Yeah. Um, there were definitely times where I would spend like a week going to the church every day and being prayed over. Um, we had my uncle come and bless our house because she thought that a demon had gotten in our home and was tormenting me. Um, I used to have extremely terrible uh, nightmares and I would wake up just screaming and crying. Um, and so they would analyze my dreams and try to see what prophetic meaning was coming from them. Wow. Um, So that also made me terrified of my dreams. Um, And it was usually, it usually always was somehow deceiving myself. Like my dreams, usually the meaning that my family found in them was that Satan was deceiving me and I needed to repent more and I needed to pray more and you know, so it was always this, you're not doing good enough, right. um, which has definitely played into my adulthood as well. Yeah. I yeah. analyze everything I do um, and think that it's not <laughs> good enough. Um, so I'm super picky about everything I do. Perfectionist? Yes, very yeah. much so. <laughs> yep, me too. And that's a hard, <laughs> that is a hard one to shake. When you spend years analyzing your every thought action word um you know not even your thoughts but i mean it could be something that you're not even aware of that's wrong in your life so you you are just made to be introspective all the time and yeah yeah, i mean i i listened to a sermon one time um the the preacher was saying that you can't expect god to bless you if your car is dirty um you know it's like Oh God, like there's just, there was always, there was always something, always something that you had to improve. Yeah. So you're not good enough. And yet, and and then that drives you to absolute perfection and fear. of You're also beautiful and the temple of God. And, you know, it was such a, a mind fuck really. Like you're just so back and forth yeah yeah you're you're a beautiful creation of god who knew you when you were knit together in your mother's womb but you're also a dirty rotten sinner who can't fucking get it right and the devil's after you yeah oh it's yeah i can see how 
you say that, you know, it's hard to, um, you know, handle or sort out your emotions when they come. Um, I'm only just learning now that when I'm having, say, a down day, I'm allowed to. I just let it, I let it come and I let it go. I ride it out. I tell myself it's going to be, you know, this just, uh, this only lasts for a little while. And this is what depression feels like. And it's not bad. It's just my brain. And yeah, it, it that's probably going to take, like, how long have you been, how long have you been an atheist now? I know you told me the other day. Um, about a year now. Um, yeah, it's been four years for me. And I must say that I'm, in some ways, especially the first year, I was just constantly, how do you say, it's like rearranging your thoughts. Like something comes up and you automatically have a thought or an opinion on something, or you say something that you've been saying all your life. And then it's like, uh, wait a second. Is that really how I feel though? Is that really, you know, are those my thoughts or is it just from the indoctrination? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of that. Self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of, there's been a lot of saying something and then being like, wait a minute. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't sound right anymore. I don't think I agree with that anymore. (laughs) Because realizing that faith is bullshit and that it's not a good reason to believe anything um, really causes you to stop then and like everything that comes on comes to you after that you almost almost like a child have to re-examine it again you know yep um, with your rational brain now I mean I, I'm determined I'm not taking anything by faith anymore that's just ridiculous I can't believe I wasted that much time taking things by faith you know and yeah. once, once you once you see that faith is so flimsy how, how can you go back yeah there's no way that I could go back to believing so where are you what are you doing like what are you doing now to heal like what what does your healing process look like um so I'm doing a lot of talking um I did start therapy last week which I'm extremely excited about yes. um it's been, uh, I've only gone once and it was a little challenging. I definitely, um, when I went to go, I sat in my car for 15 minutes before I actually walked into the clinic, um, because I was freaking out and I didn't know how I was going to talk to somebody about these things. Um, but I did go in and my husband encouraged me, um, and I went in and it went really well. Um, the ladies that I talked to were fabulous. She didn't, your, your therapist, I don't even know if it's she, but your therapist, um, totally cool with, uh, you ratting on uh, religion and, and not going to try to deconvert you back and say all things are possible with God. No. Um, I told the scheduler when I was getting all of this set up and I told the doctor that was referring me that, um, I had just come out of religion and I needed someone that could listen to me just rant and rave about religion and not get offended. Um, and my counselor, the first time I made a joke about religion, she laughed with me. Um, and so, yeah, she, she has no problems with me joking about religion. We also laughed about the term Christian counselors. Um, (laughs) cause I had been to a couple of those in my life. Yeah. Tell us what Christian counselors do. I, I, uh, I tell you what. to read the they Bible. Counsel? They tell you to read the Bible and they pray with you. And uh, usually we always found another book written by somebody else to yeah. go through in counseling. Yeah. Like uh, I kissed dating goodbye. I did that oh, one for nice. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it was Girls um, of Grace. Oh, yeah. For me, it was. Um, who we are in Christ with uh, Neil Anderson. He was a, he did a lot of Christian counseling (laughs) and a lot of his, a lot of his uh, counseling was based on repenting for all of this, your sinful behavior. So you go right around, like you're, you're in a bubble where every single person around you is telling you that if your life is fucked up, it's fucked up because you have fucked it up. It's got nothing to do with God, Missy. It's you. So you had better figure out what it is. Yeah, yep. pressure. 
Yes, yeah. it definitely is. What, what has, um, what does your, what's your relationship with like, like with your mom now? Um, so we actually no longer have a relationship. Um, we were trying to make things work for a little while, uh, while we were, you know, talking about our differences with religion and politics as I was kind of finding my way out. Um, and then one day I told her, you know, I don't believe that there's enough evidence that a God exists. And I definitely don't believe that the Christian God of the Bible exists. Right. Um, and she was offended by that, but we still were going to be able to make things work. Um, and then my sister came out as bisexual um, and my mom had an issue with that. Oh, and so we decided to have a video call between the three of us and just try to talk things out. And me and my sister wanted to explain our side and how we felt about things. And um, we had the phone call. My sister asked my mom if she would just look at some uh, secular information that she had about homosexuality and how, you know, it wasn't this bad thing that kids who were raised in a home with homosexual parents didn't, you know, automatically become homosexual yeah. and didn't automatically have a shitty life. Did she think um, it was, did she think it was demonic? Yes. Yep. So spirit, you could cast it out. Yep. So she wouldn't look at the information and she didn't want to even talk about it. Um, and my sister, you know, was basically like, how can we have a relationship if you don't agree with who I am as a person? Um, and my mom agreed and said, you know, we really can't and said goodbye. Um, and so we haven't talked to her since then. Oh boy, your sister, that must be hard on her as well. It was, um, she acts tough and she, you know, she has had a strained relationship with my mom for a while. Um, so, it, you know, she wasn't talking every day. I'm sorry. I interrupt because I have so many questions. <laughs> so no, no, that's fine. Is your, is, your, you is your sister still religious? Um, nope. She, uh, she came out of religion quite a few years ago, oh, okay. um, around the time that she found out that she was, uh, bisexual. Oh, okay. She pretty much knew she didn't believe in God at that time either. Yeah. Um, and so they, that's kind of when their relationship became strained. My sister had a girlfriend for a period of time um, and my mom was not okay with that and wouldn't be around her during that time. Yeah. Um, but then my sister met her boyfriend. They had a baby together and my mom kind of thought it was over and that we, she didn't have to worry about it anymore until my sister said, no, this is still who I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, um, I was thinking as you were talking about that and when you were talking about what it was like for you after, like just to be able to do what you want and think what you want. Um, a lot of believers who, who hear stuff like that, they would say, well, see, that's just, you just wanted to sin. You just wanted to rebel. You, you wanted to have your own life. Your sister wanted to be um, bisexual, you know, um, rather than see it as it is, is that when you, when you realize that you are a, a, a whole human being complete in yourself without a God, and you can, you know, you have that autonomy to make your decisions and live your life. It is, it's, it's just so, it, it's so remarkable for somebody who, who was basically brain mind control for years to have that, you know, to have that autonomy to live your life is really something else, isn't it? It is. Um, it's hard to explain I, to somebody who's never had their mind controlled by religion, but absolutely. it's not a matter of wanting to sin. Cause I bet just like I did, you had a huge struggle when you realize, Hey, I've been hoodwinked all of these years. I mean, it, there's a lot of pain associated with it. But then when yes. you realize like, wow, like this is what life is like. Some people have that jade right from when they're, you know, when they're born, their, their parents raise them to say, you're like, you're a complete human being and you can make good decisions. And, you know, you didn't have that, you, you know, no. yeah. No. And I was also 
I grew up in a church where, you know, women were the second class and we were there to serve the men and to be the helpers and to kind of be quiet in the background. So also coming out of religion, you know, I've found, I'm, I'm finding who I am as my own person, like you said, and that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, But it's also been for a second. Tell me how you see your future. What, what, uh, what are your goals and dreams and what are your dreams like now? Let me analyze them. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, My dreams are so much better now now that you're, you know, you're not tied on to a a God. (laughs) It's so much better. Um, you know, I, I, I can be more carefree. There's not this constant fear, you know, before, even when I wasn't really living for God, I kept thinking, you know, this, my, my lifestyle could land me in hell. I could be condemning myself to hell right now. Um, there's not that thought process anymore. Um, my kids are all starting to join me on my process a little bit. Um, we're learning how to find fallacies and things. We're looking at how to uh, look at information. So basically anything that I wanted to learn, I'm trying to include my children in so that they also have a good foundation for how to look at and analyze information. Yeah. Um, Because I don't want the same for them. I don't want them to be hoodwinked by anything. Yeah. Uh, They really enjoy listening to my atheist stuff. So I do the jaded atheist on YouTube and, um, I really enjoy that. I will continue doing that for as long as I can. Yeah. Um, tell me, then, what, um, tell me some of the biggest things that you've learned about yourself in the past year. What have you discovered oh, about yourself or about life? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I, I'm fun. Like I, <laughs> yes. I can be, I can be fun and it's okay to be silly. Um, so I'm trying to kind of find that silly side of myself again. Um, I used to be so carefree and happy and I just want to get back to that. So my kids are helping me find my silly side. Um, my husband and I are enjoying our relationship and kind of rediscovering who we are together. Um, definitely having a little bit of a sexual rediscovery. (laughs) Yes. Um, Right here. Yeah. (laughs) It is. It's, you know, even in, even in marriage, sex was still something that was so restrictive, um, in our church. So, so yeah, it's, um, that's been fun. Probably. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Even as a married woman who was married with three kids, my sex life was still very much, um, dictated by, uh, what I thought God wanted. I mean, lights were off. There were blankets. I mean, I never (laughs) didn't come out under the blankets. I mean, you know, I remember, um, (laughs) I don't know if I can say this here, but, um, I remember, uh, somebody in leadership, I don't ever want to call anybody out, but somebody in leadership telling me that oral sex was sinful. Um, and so yep. thus began what my husband called the longest year of history. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One can only are- hold out so long, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> those are the types of things that I was told too. So, um, so yeah, that's been fun. Um, I'm trying, I'm thinking about going back to school yeah, and uh, getting a bachelor's. So we'll see if that, I've, we still have, young kids so my time is yeah not my own quite yet yeah. but yeah it, it takes I went back to college when I was 28 I had three kids at home but uh, I kind of had a built-in babysitter with the with a family member so I was able to do it but that's fantastic yeah do you think do you ever do you ever miss it um I miss the community aspect of it I miss um, the volunteering parts of stuff. So that's actually what got me started with coming online and talking about stuff. Um, I live in a, an extremely conservative state and I don't know many atheists around me besides my family. Um, 
So I started a group on Facebook to try and find other atheists around in my area. Um, And the idea of the group was to be a place where people could talk if they were trying to come out of religion or um, if they were like me and they were religious and just didn't know if there were other atheists around them. Um, So I I created the group um, and then, you know, COVID kind of uh, took place. And so we couldn't go volunteer anymore. Um, But that's, that's what I want to do. I want to start volunteering and helping in my community as an atheist and with an atheist group, because everything around here is religious based. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that's really great. I mean, especially in a religious uh, community, it's great to see people doing work for good that's you know secular uh you know secular humanist work basically and you know we can be good without we can be good without god (laughs) yes yeah and i would argue better (laughs) i am a better person without the beliefs that i held before yeah some christians would really get their back up over that but that's true oh yes i'm i i feel like i'm more moral yeah was more loving more attached to more connected with humans in general you know absolutely and I I have more peace and I you know it's just it's it's just much it's just a much more authentic life I guess yep I would agree and I think that says a lot if you have more understanding and compassion and love without a god than with a god yeah that's right (laughs) I've had so much fun talking to you today. You, you have really, um, I just connect on so many levels. Is there anything else? Like, did we leave anything else that you, that you wanted to say? I don't think so. I think we touched everything pretty good. Tell me, so you are on hereticals as well. Are you still doing that on, um, is it Fridays? Yep. Friday mornings. Yeah. They actually asked me to be a host of the show too, or a co-host. So, um, I'm doing that quite uh, frequently now. And then, um, Jen from hereticals and I are starting a show, um, called that's what she said. And it's going to be, um, like the view, but better with, uh, we're going to, have a mostly woman um, panel and That's women guests on and talk about um, women's experiences in religion and coming out and in the community on YouTube now, um, yeah. kind of the experiences we've gone through and stuff. So I'm really excited about that. That is, that is exciting. That is exciting. And Jen is great. Yeah. Yes, she Wonderful. is. Well, I really, um, I've just really, like I said, I've really enjoyed talking to you and, uh, um, I'm sure I'm going to be, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch again. I'm sure. Um, absolutely wants to reach out to you. They can find you where, where would, where would they go? Um, on Twitter, I am jaded atheist on Twitter and then on YouTube also jaded atheist. Um, I do have a Facebook it's just under my personal name, um, Jade right. Spoonamore, but I have Jaded Atheist linked to it and yeah. everything. So you Excellent. can also message me there. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day with your kids and stuff to, uh, to talk to me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. I did too. Any, any time. I love talking to you. Maybe, maybe when we talk about um, homeschooling, you'll come back on again. I'd like to get a panel of people who are homeschooled. And oh, yes. The experience was like, yeah. I would love that. Yeah. Okay, my darling, we will. Um, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. And um, until then, stay curious, won't you? All right, yeah. my dear. Bye. Bye.